There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young, I'm 31 years old, and so I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that, you know, I, I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have, I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right, right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans have the puck again in the New York zone. Shot score! Gets who? Gets who? Nathan McKinnon. He just keeps on roaring. Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play. Then he stopped it there. Oh, wow. What a play by Gerard. And now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription service that can get you into all kinds of events, etc., etc., etc. In We Go is great. You guys should absolutely be using that app uh, if you're not already. I use it all the time. I know other BSNers uh, have made quite heavy use of it. Uh, got to go see Childish Gambino because of it, so that was pretty cool. Uh, anyway. Uh, I am your host today, AJ Hayfley, hanging out alongside Adrian Dater. Uh, we are here recording uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, kind of a weird time for us. And uh, we uh, we did not get the show uh, done last night and had some issues and, um, you know, just decided instead of, instead of trying to put it together at three o'clock in the morning when we were both dead tired, we would just do it while we were both coherent and making sense. So, Adrian, now we have to make sense in all the things we say today. No, no, it's a shame, isn't it? I have to find <laughs> some coherent and smart and... I know, I mean, got to be sharp. Somewhat easier to just say, ah, I'm just tired, dead tired and 
leave it at that for my idiot, idiotic comments. So a little, I'm a little under pressure here. I've got to yeah. try to sound coherent. This is got to, got to, got to reconcile with the fact that, uh, got to do competent work here sometimes. Yeah. That's, uh, pressure's on buddy. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, let's, let's dig into, uh, last night's loss. I believe the final was four, one in favor of the New York Islanders. <laughs> Um, just how did you feel about the game in general, AD? Uh, not good. Not good. Uh, you know, okay start shot wise, puck possession wise, but really sloppy game by the Avs. A lot of mental errors, a lot of blown assignments. Uh, penalty killing was atrocious again. Uh, just, uh, not a lot of jam. I didn't think around the net. Uh, just didn't seem like they were all that into it last night. Uh, did not seem like that was a game that they were desperate to win. Um, even when they got down, it didn't seem like they had a real comeback in them. Uh, they made it two to one, but it never seemed like they were really going to take it all the way back. It just seemed like the Islanders right went right back to kind of kind of uh, you know playing the better game all night long. Really, uh, I know the Avs outshot them, but. Uh, well, yeah, you know, the yeah, Avs didn't put a lot, a ton of quality on uh, Thomas Grice, I didn't think. There were some nice saves he did make. Mm, uh, he did come up with a couple of big kick saves. Uh, yeah. That, that when the game was still 2-1, to one, that kept that thing from getting tied. Uh, that really, obviously, it gets 2-2, two to two, it's a different game. To me, the, uh, you know, the game was kind of lost when they had, uh, you know, they're down 2-1, they get the four-minute power play, double minor to Josh Hosang, and then, Really did nothing with it. Uh, there was a pass that McKinnon made to JT Confer that I thought I thought he was going to tap in. It was there. It was it was there for him. It just yeah, puck went a little too quick for him. I think didn't quite get it all of it. And uh, oh, good defense on that one. They, they well, yeah, but it, the puck was on, on that. the puck was on Confer's blade there for a second, and it just kind of he didn't get it. He didn't have the forward momentum enough to really push it in the net. Uh, it was kind of a quick pass from McKinnon. Who drove me crazy most of the night, by the way. We can get into that. But Nathan McKinnon is not shooting the puck enough. Uh, passing you know, up, I, you know. He had six shots on goal last night. Can you believe right. that? And then you go, uh, oh, really? Jeez, because I don't yeah. remember any that were really. I'm saying, like, I yeah. was totally with you. He was way too passive. And then when I was looking at the postgame box score, I was like, he had six shots on goal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think he had like three or four right away at the beginning. And, you know, before we could even get in our seats, probably we had a couple. But, you know, the two-on-one with Landis Skog, I mean, I know what he's trying to do. We know he's, we know he's trying to set Landy up for the one-timer. But the fact is, Johnny Bocek had that play perfectly to take away the pass. So Nate's got to shoot that puck right there. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bocek was, was playing pass all the way. And, and Nate just stubbornly made pass anyway and uh, got deflected. And that was a big part of the game too. I mean, that was a, should have been a goal. I mean, Nate had a good lane to shoot. Very least he does. He puts a hard shot on that. Maybe there's a rebound. Lanny can put that back in. Um, And then on the power play, that four minute power play to me, though, is where the game was kind of took a turn for the worse. And, you know, Max standing out there on the left circle, not shooting shots, just, yeah, flicking it back and it. forth with his rays. You know, he's like a, you know, he's like a, uh, you know, a juggler or something with a puck where he just kind of 
juggles it back and forth with a stick, but he's not putting it on net. And he gives it back to Barry at the point. And uh, then he juggles it around a little bit, back to back. It's just, yeah, that that was just that was emblematic of the game. Yeah, they uh, their their power play, it just hasn't really clicked over the last while now. And I really, I really, I had a problem with the the usage uh, last night. Uh, Colorado's had a really good second power play unit. Um, and the split was like seven minutes to a minute and a half between top unit and second unit. And I thought that was pretty gross. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think you need to give that second unit more of a chance. I get that your, your first unit is uh, full of guys who are leading the league in scoring. But uh, when you look at the efficiency and the scoring rates of those um the second unit has been really good. It's been really efficient, really dangerous. You need to give them a little more burn, especially when that top unit doesn't have it going on. You know, they they showed, hey, they're struggling. They're not doing this very well. Uh, they need some help, um, you know, maybe. And, and they need to make some coaching adjustments. You know, they're, they're trying different things on the entries because the Islanders uh, and other teams have scouted what they want to do to the point where now they have to start making adjustments. Now they have two guys back there for the drop pass to kind of uh, pass back and forth between, you know, make sure that somebody's always open, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Yeah, no more Nate just skating in leisurely by himself from the drop pass from Barry. Now he's, you know, now that uh, it's it's being played differently. You know, Nate was coming into the left corner on a lot of those entries and setting up shop there and then, you know, skate in, curl back, and then either go down uh, low, maybe do a land of scog, or else uh, go back to Barry at the point and sort of get set up. And that was working pretty well. I mean, they're still third in the league in the power play. Yeah, the, uh, the, the bigger issue on the special teams right now is the the other one, the one with the K, yeah. the one with the K after the P. You know, I and and Bender talked about this uh, at practice today that where he felt like the PK was actually doing good things, and I agreed with him last night that um, the two power play goals, one of those is on Barley, the other one is a tip play in front where, um, ah, you know, like I'm, I don't, I don't, I never really know how to how to feel about those kinds of tip plays because when the Avs do them, I feel like, hey, that's a good job by the Avs offensive guys. I don't know how you really defend that. Um, you know, the Anders Lee tip goal, the third, the third goal that ended up kind of being the dagger that put the game away. Um, yeah. I really felt like I, I don't feel like the Avs played that poorly. I don't feel like it was defended poorly. I don't feel like Varley did a bad job on that. Um, you know, Lee Lee had it was it was a perfect tip. So yeah. I'm thinking more of you know. I understand that those things are having those are tougher, but I'm I'm still more concerned with, um, you know, a little too easy to set up against them. The pucks, they're really getting. It's like the you can see the pressure just building and building when the when the you know the the teams are just kind of collapsing inward the whole time on them, and uh, I don't feel like the Avs puck pressure has been good enough. Uh, I think. 
seems to me like the Avs are falling back into that kind of four corners style of defense on the PK that I don't like that you know, relies so heavily on the goalie. Granted, you're always relying on your goalie to make saves on the PK. Your goalie is your best penalty killer. But I don't like the fact that the Avs are sort of stationary a little too much again. Uh, they're, they're waiting for the rebounds to clear it out, you know, um, or they're waiting for tips and miss, missed opportunities, shots off the back wall to get it, clear it. Um, I'd like to see more pressure on that puck carrier up top. They've got the speed, the quickness to play that kind of D. I think they should get back to more doing that. Uh, they're not disrupting enough to the opponent's entries. It's getting that's my big problem is that they give up. They they let teams set up on them really yeah, that's freely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're they're doing that. I don't. That drives me crazy, man. It's too easy, and the you know teams are adjusting their their power play, but the Avs aren't making any adjustments on uh, opponents. It's, it's killed them right now. I mean, they're 77 percent. Uh, you know, they were fourth in the league. Now they're like twenty second in the league. Um, and not only that, I mean, you know, special teams, this is not a PK issue, but if PP, they're giving up all these shorthanded breakaways on block shots at the point, and then people are too gassed to get back and play it. Tyson Barry with another one last night. Yeah, he's got to – I mean, obviously that's got to stop, man. The, the, his decision-making has got to be a lot better. Uh, he can't He can't be making that. Uh, the the choice to shoot hell no there's a guy like that and and he's the last man back and blah 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 he can't do that hell no um, his his decision making just hasn't been good enough uh in in the role he's been in and to be honest um it it might be time to swap Barry and Gerard on those PP units they did it earlier in the year uh and they they should they're at the point now they could really they can justify doing it again um, I know Barry's put up points and all that, but we've really seen that unit uh, run into some problems, uh, and it might be time to give Gerard uh, a couple of games. That <laughs> you, top think, unit. you think maybe we could give EJ a try again at the point? See what I'm happens. good. Huh? I'm good. I'll pass. So I asked him in Florida about it, and he's like, yeah, I want to play on the power play again, you know, but uh, the coaches, coaches won't let me, basically. He didn't say the coaches I think, won't let me, but he – I think there are two better offensive players on the blue line that have the jobs. I think I think the personnel is correct in that Gerard and Barry are the guys. I, I would flip them right now given how, they're, how the two have been playing mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I would not put EJ out there. I mean, maybe maybe if you put EJ out there with Barry on the second unit, okay. But I would not replace either one of those guys with EJ personally. Man, I've always EJ, argued. EJ, he's never produced on the power play uh, very much. Yeah. Um, it's it's never really been a big part of his repertoire. Um, he he really has only played it for Colorado because the Avs didn't have somebody better to do it. Um, and now that now that they do, I think this makes perfect sense. Well, I'm not that worried about the power play. It's going to score goals. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's more the PK that's really, you know, and I've always been a PK guy. It's like yeah. you, go, you got well, a bad, bad PK, yeah. you're a bad hockey team. You're, you're going to be a losing hockey team in the end if you can't kill penalties. And, uh, and it's happening again. You know, I thought they had a lot of this stuff worked out, but. You know, with Matt Calvert coming over to replace Como, you know, that's supposed to give them this little dynamo who can steal pucks and score on breakaway goals. Quite frankly, I haven't seen that from Calvi this year. Nope, 
hasn't been there. And uh, I, um, I I hate to keep doing this to him, man, but the Gabe Bork thing's got to stop. That he's only on the he's only on the roster because of the PK, and the PK isn't good. Poor so. Gabe Bork. <laughs> you know, I was I was literally in the locker room talking about it with uh, with one of the Avs media peeps, and I was like, I feel bad, man. I feel like I'm. I feel like 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 he's like like I point to him like he's the fault for everything, and that's not the case. Yeah. But it's not I that mean, he's a horrible player. He just doesn't do much for. Him. I don't think he's a, he's not a good NHL player. He shouldn't be in a regular lineup. He's easily yeah. the weakest link in the Avalanche lineup. He's by far the worst player. On the NHL roster, uh, he's the easiest player, and that includes Dries. And he's he's the one guy where I don't understand why he's in the lineup every night. Uh, when we talk about AJ Greer and all the different things, there's so much to that that conversation. I don't want to get into it, but there's in no way should Gabe Bork continue to be this lineup regular for the Avalanche. It's just to me that's that is them failing the rest of that team. You want to talk about? putting pressure on the top line to score points. We have a guy who's now played what 27, 28 games this year has zero goals and four assists, you know, for Patrick Nemeth, you think, okay, that's one thing. Even Patrick Nemeth has managed a goal though. Gabe Bork's got nothing, man. And, you know, he did score in Nashville and it was called back because of a high stick, but even then, all right. So now he's got one goal. Like, come on. I'm, I'm just not, I, I just don't, he he doesn't bring anything to the offensive end of the ice, and I think it's I think it's it's dragging down whatever line line mates he gets, and because you're playing with two thirds of a line at that point. Anyway, Gabe Bork sucks, man, and he can't be in this lineup anymore. I think he's actively well, hurting them, and I don't like the guy plays five minutes of even strength time, so I'm not gonna make a huge deal out of this. Um, but it's hurting them. Probably in Bork's defense, we need to actually. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. We need to. We need to ask Jared Bednar the hard question: Why do you have Gabe Bork in the lineup? I mean, I don't think anybody's yeah. actually asked that question yet. Yeah, I'm honestly, man. I'm just. I'm afraid I'll get into it with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he enjoys a good repartee, back to back, you know, back and forth a little bit, but. Uh, uh, I'll get into it in morning. Probably skate, have to be away from the mic, yeah. Uh, but look, man, the team is uh, they're in a one-three and one funk. Uh, the biggest problems right now are PK and goaltending, and I don't know which is which, which which comes first. But I I know that it's uh, it's costing them games right now, and and that's the biggest thing that's got to be fixed. And then we can worry about Gabe Bork scoring and stuff because uh, that's still a smaller piece of the problem than uh than what's going on really right now with what the real problems yeah for sure i mean if your goalie can't stop anything it doesn't really matter who the hell's on your fourth line nope it doesn't and when you when your pp unit keeps giving up two or three breakaways a game when you're on the power play that's there's not much gabe Bork can do about that either yeah, and I mean they did that last year too. The Evs led the league in shorthanded goals against. So uh, well, they, and it's you know it's, it's well it's, it's the way that they've set it up. It's, how about doing some how about doing some scouting or, or telling your players, hey, look, Tyson Berry, teams are cheating on you on your shot. They're, they're, they're they've scouted your tendencies on how to shoot, so they're blocking shots, and then it's coming away and stealing it, going back the other way. How about we make a little adjustment here? 
where you make a deke and then you shoot a, shoot off the forehand wrister or something instead of this big windup that gets uh, easily blocked going the other way. How about that for starters? Well, they've got they've got two units that are playing two different ways, and I think it would be a lot better if the first unit uh, kind of adopted what the second unit is doing, where the puck movement is crisp, the decisions are fast, and they're not afraid to shoot the puck. You know, I don't know what's going on with Miko Ranton in this year, but his his I I would say we'll call it a hesitation to shoot, uh, given that he's got such a great shot, is ridiculous to me. Um, he, well, I mean, the guy has 87 shots on goal and, you know, that's good for third on the abs, but it's way behind his line mates. I mean, he's 20 shots on goal behind Landeskog. He's only a couple of shots on goal ahead of Barry. Yeah. And, you know, he's got four games on Barry. So <sighs> I wonder, you know, if- and I, I get like Ranton's leading the league in assists and that's great. And he's. You know, and he's he's on pace for like a thirty-five goal year, but this is a dude who has a lethal shot, needs to be using it more than he is, and that's the big thing we're not seeing on the power play from that top unit as much is we're not seeing the same kind of any of these guys will shoot the same thing with McKinnon. You know, he last year he was just he he did, was not not worrying about it. He had no hesitation ripping off those one-timers standing over there in the Ovechkin spot. Now he's over there and he gets the puck and he settles it and he dekes around. He messes with it for a few seconds. And then he said, all right, Oh, I'm going to give it back up. You know? And it's just, it's just like, dude, like you let the PK settle. You let the goalie get in position. You let everybody, you know, you, you benefit the defense when you do that. And he just doesn't, it just there isn't. I, I don't understand why he's doing it. There hasn't been any discernible benefit from it. Uh, there isn't anything that he's getting out of it that is that is screaming, "Hey, this is working, and I should continue to do this." And he keeps doing it, and I don't understand why somebody hasn't yelled at him and been like, "Hey, do this," or maybe they have, and he just isn't listening. Either way, it's it's frustrating to watch. And it's crazy to say that because the guy's second in the NHL in scoring, but it feels like it feels yeah. like in you know when they're struggling like this, it's easy to look at this and say, oh well, this isn't working. You know, of course, when they when they were scoring at like a seventy percent clip on the power play, we were like, oh well, can't can't complain about that. <laughs> no, I I agree on the settling thing. He's getting the puck and and just I mean, power play to me has always been about quick. Quick reaction shots, quick, quick uh, decisions. Either way, quick passes, quick shots lead to chaos, defensive chaos where they're, they're scrambling around to either get the rebound or slide over fast enough, you know, to get in position to block a shot. But when you get when you settle that puck and you give them time to get that position, you're going to lower your chances. I'm sure. I'm sure the analytics would prove it. That, yeah. that taking too long with the puck on the power play is a surefire recipe for her lower percentage of conversions. Uh, and that's what we're seeing too much lately from, from Mac. Take the, he takes that puck, and uh, I'll call it juggling now. He's, he's juggling it back and forth on his stick instead of firing it away either really quick or making a really quick pass to someone maybe down low. Maybe the path he's trying to go across the ice a lot to, to Matt, to Ranton, which is 
It worked great the other night for that one timer against Dallas. I mean, it it, it when it works, it works. But and you're like, oh, that's too right. Too but hard they, to pass. they well, they too fail hard it pass three times. So Miko's not a guy who's going to cut to the net and score those goals. Miko's usually standing there, stationary at the other side. So Mac doesn't really have that good backdoor pass to make because really all Miko's doing is just standing over there. Uh, and teams aren't, uh, you know, teams are playing that weak side a little easier because they know there's not a lot of movement over there. See, so they can, uh, they're not, they're getting, they're not getting beat on those backdoor goals like the Avs always do on the PK, which long been a bone of contention of mine. Uh, they always allow goal guys to slip down on the weak side and tap it in. Um, so it's frustrating right now to watch, but I really I don't think it's anything you know more, more difficult than just a tweaker here or two there to, to fix some of yeah, this stuff, sure. and, and off we go again. I mean, hopefully the coaching staff is smart enough to know what what we're saying is is the gospel truth. <laughs> Listen to us. True that. We know we know Sackick's a big listener, so he just needs to tell the coaching staff. Merry Christmas, Joe. Podcast. So, all right, let's get out of here for this first segment. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, that game against the, the Islanders, um, disappointing. Yeah, you take that game, you just throw it right deep into the deep into the trash, down with the yeah. the other smelly stuff you've been having for a couple of weeks, and you, you're too afraid to even look at. You throw it down there, and you wait for that garbage man to pick it up, and hopefully the stench is gone soon. All right, you really ran with that metaphor. Uh, I, that's what I do, man. I paint pictures with words. All right. Well, uh, we're going to uh, paint the. I, I've got nothing. I'm just going to take a break. <laughs> I'm, instead of getting instead of getting clever, I'm just going to bounce. We're just going to bounce out of here. So, uh, this is the BSN Lunch Podcast presented by In We Go. We will be right back. Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In We Go subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tastings food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with In We Go to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back in BSN Avalanche podcast segment number two here. I am AJ. He is Adrian. I almost called you Andre because I was looking at my phone and it said Andre. Uh, I can take also, Andre. also, it's Tuesday and I'm supposed to be doing a Broncos show with Andre that I'm not going to get to do this week. So um, my brain is just all over the place. Anyway, you are not Andre. You are Adrian. Um, baby, <laughs> we've got to talk a little bit about this situation in net right now. Um, Varley got the start last night, which I thought was a 
generous thing for Bednar to do, uh, to put that politely. And uh, Varley let him down about as hard as he could. So, um, not great. Well, not great. We asked Bednar about Varley last night, though, and he said, eh, it was, this wasn't on Varley tonight. Uh, he said he was, he was, he was fine. The tip was, he didn't blame him for the tip. I think he, I think he did blame him for the one timer from the right circle on that other, uh, PP goal left circle. Uh, I thought two of the goals were soft. Well, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying they weren't. I'm just Just saying that Bednar, Bednar was not blaming Varley last night. Uh, I think he blamed more of his – quite frankly, I think he blamed more of his forwards for not being more aggressive last night for the loss and and penalties and stuff like that, PK. Uh, but, yes, the number one issue facing Avalanche Nation right now, the one I hear most about from fans, and, yes, we hear all of what you say, all of you out there, is uh, is Varley hurt? Is Varley okay? Is he washed up? Uh, is it is it none of the above? Um, and I don't know for sure exactly what the answer is right now. Doesn't seem hurt. Doesn't act hurt. He's practicing every day. Mm-hmm. Usually if a guy's hurt, he's not going to practice as much. He's doing everything that he normally does except stopping pucks. I don't think it's a hurt thing. I don't think it's an injury thing. I think it's a stopping bucks thing, yeah. And I, I think don't it's, know. It, it's got to be confidence, man. Like, and I'm sure some of it is confidence. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, Philip Grubauer is, has not been he's meh. Uh, Mr. Fix-It for the problems either this year. He's got a 897 saves percentage right now, which is below the Mendoza line. Among the worst in the league, we need it. We need a Mendoza line. Who's who's the Mendoza of goaltenders? Is, <laughs> is it like Chad Johnson? <laughs> I know. I think. Uh, well, it's harder to find them in today's era because I mean, if you're not above ninety percent, you're, you know. But you know, the old days. I mean, you look at Martin Brodeur's old save percent. Even Patrick was. I mean, nine ninety was. Considered really good back in those days. So a lot of them were at the Mendoza line. Yeah. Well, I mean, different eras. Yeah. But uh, look, I don't think Varley's hurt. I don't think Varley uh, is, um, you know, going through anything personal or anything. Uh, I just think that he's not playing as well. And I don't know exactly why, though. And I don't know if anybody knows. When goalies are such voodoo, um, I actually uh, ran into uh, UC Parkhall on the elevator last night uh, in the last two minutes of the game, and he's a pretty like laid back, like fun dude. Yeah. Uh, not last night. <laughs> yeah. He was he was really pissed. You, you you said the goalie coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I misheard that for a second. Yeah, the goalie coach. No, I I saw that too. I saw him walking in the uh, locker room with uh, Chris McFarlane after the game, and he he definitely didn't look happy. Yep, uh, he looked like somebody had just stole his lunch money for so. 
uh, yeah, I think he's got a lot of work to do right now with his goalies, and uh, he's um, well, you know, he's he's the guy char- in ta- charged with coaching these goalies to be better. And so far, uh, the numbers are not there right now. So, I'm sure, there's some pressure on him. Yeah. Um... What do you think's been the biggest thing that Varley has looked different on, if anything? I mean, just not stopping the puck is, yeah, that's just that's par for the course. But is there anything about Varley that just looks different to you from previous years? Uh, from previous years, I I feel like uh, he is uh, just not quite as quick um, with everything. One you know, of the reasons I feel like- why I go down to, uh, yeah, no, I agree. But one of the reasons why I did what I did last night was uh, go down to watch a period down low in the lower bowl. Sometimes I just try to go incognito and and sit in a lower bowl seat and watch. I especially like to watch the goalies. So I sat where uh, Varley was having the shots taken on him last night for about half the period before basically I get kicked out of my seat. Um, basically somebody who hadn't shown up all game (laughs) decided to show up in the seat about midway through the second period, kicked me out. Very nice about it though. Uh, actually knew who I was. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I don't want to shake your hand though. Cause I, I got to get out of here. I don't want to get, I don't want to look like the guy who's uh, stealing seats or something. So, um, but I noticed Varley, I, I looked closely at Varley, and he looks too mechanical to me right now. He looks like a guy who's like, Thinking. am I lifting my glove up? Right, check. Am I my skates in this position? Check. Uh, do I have my stick in the right? Oh, wrong. You know, he, he's, he looks mechanical. He looks very like a guy who's like posing in the mirror, trying to get it in the exact right pose for whatever photo shoot, and it's not – something's not right every time, and he's – and the photo's coming out bad. And, uh, you know, he's like, uh, it just seems very, very, um, just seems way too mechanical to me right now. He's not playing hockey. He's yeah doing a job. And that's a difference to me. Fair enough. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a goalie expert, man. Uh, yeah, me neither. They're, they're voodoo. <laughs> um, yeah. But let's, let's, let's tackle the Fransu's thing. Right. Uh, because we're getting, I'm, I at least I'm getting tons of questions about it now. Um, with both goalies playing poorly, of course. Um, Francis, do they? Do they? I, I expect this will be a quick answer, but do they bring him up at all and give him a look with both of uh, these guys playing poorly? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Good. We're on this. We're on the same page then. Yeah. I just feel like uh, uh, you know, it's just. I said there has to be. Unless an injury. a guy gets hurt, I don't yeah. see him coming. I mean, if a guy gets hurt, that's different. But yeah. I don't. I don't. If, just if a guy gets hurt, up. then obviously the answer is yes. You bring him up, and you know, maybe you give him a start, yeah, depending on what the schedule is. Of course, but no, I don't bring him up, and you know, don't forget the ramifications of. All right, let's say you're you're the Avalanche. 
You've got two healthy goalies. You're paying a uh, combined almost $10 million. Third highest this. in the NHL. Uh, their goalie. Uh, all of a sudden, you bring in this no-name rookie from the KHL and the Colorado Eagles to be your starter. What does that just do for your dynamic in the locker room, yeah. chemistry-wise, right by that? I mean, well, it pretty much says, guys, hey, these guys aren't getting the job done and they need to do better. <clears throat> but goalies and are then what is like- that? So what is that? Okay, so what does that put kind of what kind of pressure does that put on Pavel Francis? Two guys that are staring daggers well, then, at him the whole time, and he's got to go. Yeah, right. Goalies, goalies are kind of like starting cool. quarterbacks in the NFL, man. Where you roll with a guy, and you can't you can't really have two. Um, you've got to have a main guy that you turn to that you lean on and say, "This is our guy." This has always been my problem with their setup going into the season. Um, was that they they didn't have a clear-cut guy. You know, they were going to have an open competition for 82 games. Um, you bring a guy like Franzuz in there, and you're just dropping a grenade into that situation. So, yeah, but on the other hand... I'm with you. Definitely don't do that. On the other hand, though, the the kid is 13-5-1 right now for the Eagles with a 9-21 save percentage. Yeah, he's got the fourth-best save percentage in the AHL. So he's lived up to his end of the deal yeah. in, with the Eagles. He's been very good. So maybe if I'm a hard ass and say, I don't care what Varlamov or Grubauer thinks, they suck right now, so I'm bringing up the kid. And if they don't like it, too bad. I could you know, I would, say, I would say two more weeks of this, do it. Okay. But uh, right now, not, not, yeah. we're not. Yeah, I don't think that. we're here right, right yet. No, I agree. Okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to at least touch on it just because we're starting to get a lot of questions yeah. about it. And with Francis playing well, obviously it becomes more and more of a, okay. a conversation. Um, practice uh, was today. Alex Kerfoot uh, on the ice is healthy. Will play tomorrow, according to Jared Bednar. They don't know about the lineup configuration quite yet, but going to play tomorrow. What have they been missing with Kerfoot? Well, I think they're missing a guy who can make plays, who is always a potential for something good with the puck on his stick. Uh, that's what they've missed. Uh, yeah, Kerfoot can be invisible for large segments of the game, depending on the kind of game it is, depending on the opponent, I, I think more and more. Um, but the fact is the guy's been, you know, a, let's call him a two-thirds point a player a game two-thirds a point a game player in his in his NHL career basically um, good enough for me to throw him back in there uh, if you want to sit Gabriel Bork do it uh, if you want to sit Colin Wilson and play Kerfoot at center tomorrow no no fine with that no, no, Colin don't Wilson do that. don't do that uh, don't do that I <laughs> Little things you notice, right? Colin Wilson foot race last night to a puck. It was like, it was like, no, no contest. Wilson lost that foot race. Um, he's not very fast. I think he's strong on his skates. The problem is he doesn't get the puck enough to really, um, you know, worry the defense enough to. Uh, do anything more than a token check on him. And, and it's just, uh, you know, his numbers continue to sort of sink and sink and sink as far as production-wise goes compared to that early part of the season. 
So put Kerfoot in. If you want to give that Wilson one. a night off, goodbye me. Um, and, not with, uh, with Gabe Borg hanging around. Kerfoot. Say that again? But not with Gabe Borg hanging around. You scratch Colin Wilson. Yeah, okay. In favor sit, of Gabe Bork, sit Bork ahead of Wilson. That's fine. Kill me. But Wilson's yeah. next on my list. Um, you know. I mean, Wilson, Wilson or Dry. At that point, I'm fine. Wilson, Dry, Zandragetto, any of those guys. <laughs> have, you, have you noticed a difference in the Avs game, though, in a way, since uh, Vladislav Kamenev won out, too? Uh, yeah, their, their fourth line sucks. Yeah. Well, I know, and I think that Kamenev's yeah. loss has, has meant, uh, you know, I don't think it's been catastrophic either way, but I do think it's been noticeable, the fact that uh, they can't win any faceoffs on the fourth line anymore. They don't have any puck possession on the fourth line anymore. And those are things that can't well, they, well, they don't have a fourth line center anymore. Yeah, so you know, Kamenev gets hurt again. <laughs> uh, actually, don't know the uh, latest uh, you know update on his prognosis, but uh, doesn't seem Saw him today. doesn't seem good. What was he? He was uh, yeah, he was in the locker room looking you know looking young, looking fresh, looking looking like he just got a nice uh, dope haircut. Right in street clothes, but. Though, right? uh, not healthy, yeah. Not even, yeah. Yeah, very much. I saw the same thing. I saw the same thing a few days ago. Um, yeah, it looks like a nice, healthy kid when you see him in street clothes. But yeah, the fact is, I guess he's not going to play for possibly the rest of the year. Yeah, we'll we'll see about about Kamenev. That's, man, that's what a bummer. But yeah, his loss was important. Like the Avs aren't so deep yet, you know, that they can sustain a lot of these. You know, these guys all have important yeah. roles. Yeah. You know, Alexander Kerfoot going out. I mean, the guy's sixth on the team in scoring. You talk about yep. secondary scoring, losing that guy hurts. You know, he's a big part of what makes that second power play unit good. Yeah. And, you know, missing him has has absolutely hurt them. Uh, it's, it's you know, Kerfoot's an important guy for this team. He's got a, you know, Kerfoot, Comfort, Jost, those guys, you know, they're all kind of going through the same growing pain at the same time which makes them really frustrating to watch because on any given night, one guy is usually going, at least one guy is going really well. And if the other two aren't, then it just feels like that line is a lost cause. I just, I said this from day one. I just feel like put Kerfoot with Joe, let him ride it out, make him the second line Agreed. guys, whoever's going to play the right side. I don't know, but play those guys together and let them figure it out. Or else just, or else fail while they try to figure it out. But don't put Kerfoot on the fourth line. Don't put Jost on the fourth line. Put those guys together. Try to keep at it with a second line that could do something. And finally, you know, catch fire and have real chemistry. Otherwise, you're you're wasting everybody's time with this juggling around. It's just not going to work with can't with. Kerfoot on the fourth line. Uh, yeah, it's to me. It's just better being too cute. It with is. It, it is. It's, it's, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be. It's too conventional of a coaching move by Bednar to just say, "All right, well, it's not working with Kerfoot right now, so let's shock the system and put him down on the fourth line and hope he gets the message." It just. I don't think that works with young guys like that anymore. Um, this isn't the. Uh, that, that's more of a minor league co- coaching move. I don't think Bednar's done himself very well with the mixing around of that second line again. There's nothing there right now. We don't even know what the second line is night to night anymore. Uh, 
Here's some uh, questions that I've got from readers, though. Uh, how about Martin Cout coming up from oh, college? No, 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 no. This is segment number two. Oh, God. All right. Fine. I just, well, it fit into what we're talking about, but let's find, let's take a break and go to the third segment and we'll address this, maybe. There we go. Okay. We will be back. We will take a break and then we've got some questions. We will dive right back into this topic with questions from you guys. A good, smooth, quality transition that we did not totally just make up on the fly. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. We'll be right back. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. The Sportsbook Bar and Grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people, and everyone seems to be a friend, you know, when you're at a sports bar. So, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved in the sports bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of, we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the experience of, of a Broncos game or an Avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends with you. If you're near Wash Park or Greenwood Village, be sure to stop by Sportsbook Bar and Grill today. Welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. AD, I believe you had a question that you wanted to get to from one of our listeners, so I will get out of your way. Well, okay. Uh, we'd like to have uh, our listeners and our readers, uh, we'd like to give them a forum to ask questions, especially on the comment section of our podcast posts. So, uh one of the questions I have, I can't, I don't, I can't pronounce the name, so sorry about that. But basically, and this comes from like three or four people though now, so we'll aggregate it into one identity. Let's call it disgruntled Avs fans. All right, let's call it that. Why not give Martin Kaut a call up to play the second line right wing with Joseph Kerfoot? What do we have to lose by doing this? AJ, your thoughts on Martin Kaut coming up? Uh, well, what you have to lose is Martin Cout in the expansion draft in a couple of years. Um, so that's there you go. That that alone is good enough reason to leave him. Now explain again the expansion rule for why he could be exposed. 
Well, he would if he if he got to if they called him up now and they played him the rest of the year and he played forty games, it would be a pro season. And so he would be exposed. He would be his first pro year would be this year, and then his second pro year would be next year, and that would make him eligible for selection in the expansion draft after in twenty twenty one. So that alone, I mean, not even getting in, into any single hockey reason, uh, that alone makes it not worth it. What if you you already have a Connor Timmons problem with the uh, with the expansion draft? So. You know, Martin Cout. Martin Cout's not going to be a difference maker for your your line. All these people that are frustrated with Tyson Jost's like perceived lack of development or slow development. Tyson Jost's twenty years old. You know, he's super young. He's coming along slowly. This is how most twenty year olds do it. Not guys like you know, I guess to to some extent like a McKinnon or a Landeskog or a Duchesne. You know, those guys they. They came along, you know, we forget Ryan O'Reilly came along very slowly. You know, it took it took until O'Reilly's third full season for him to really make like the big leap. And, you know, Jost is more on that kind of a that kind of a track right now. Uh Martin Couts even younger. You know, Martin Couts had a nice year, uh, nice start to his AHL career, but it's not like the guy has destroyed the AHL and and has to be called up. And is so good that he's going to he's going to change any of this for the ads right now. It's not at that point. It's not going to be at that point. Martin Kelt's not that guy. He's not that dynamic offensive guy who's going to have a transformative effect on the Avs offensive uh, uh, the Avs forward core this year. It's not going to happen. Anybody who is of the opinion that he needs to get called up uh, is putting hopes and dreams in front of reality, to be honest. I mean, that's he's, it's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Just from a business standpoint, it shouldn't happen. From an on-ice hockey standpoint, I think he could help them, but it wouldn't be what people are thinking. It's not like he's going to come up and all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, well, everything's fixed. Yeah, uh, Martin Couts, 26 you games know. for the Eagles, uh, five goals, seven assists, 12 points, uh, plus five. Good start, a, a good but yeah, start. not tearing a up the AHL. This isn't like Mario Lemieux tearing up, you know, you got to call him I up. Mean, yeah, well, not even I was just going to say, you know, the lesson everybody uh, who wants Cout to co- be called up right now uh, to learn is Miko Randon. He was given that full year in the AHL level with San Antonio uh, to, to, to learn more of the game, especially from a guy coming from uh, Europe. And look what happened. Now, if Miko yeah. Rannan was rushing in the league uh, like he was at, at first, you know, and then the Avs wised up and sent him back to the A, uh, people forget uh, Miko Rannan didn't have a goal in his first, like, what, 20 games? Something like that. Yeah, it was a while uh, though. I don't know how long it went. That his first, his certainly his there first were, season where he there were nine games. Played. I think there were statements made by games. someone, if not me, and other media, like, "Geez, did the Avs uh, whiff on the Miko Rantanen draft pick? Like, keep, the kid can't even score a goal." Um, we don't say that anymore. I do believe that Martin Kautz's best, uh, you know, course 
is to stay down there and keep learning the AHL level. Now, yeah. you say 40 games is a cutoff. What if he, you know, he, the Avs have played 34 games right now. What if they call him up in uh, game 42? Does he get another year of uh, exemption from uh, expansion? It's so that's it, that counts the 40 games is the year towards um, it's it's a year towards okay. the agency. So um, the rest of this about the, the nine games and the contract sliding and the ELC and all that stuff. Um, it's totally it, it's totally not clear and you can't get an answer out of anybody that works in the NHL Ooh. about what is and isn't with those guys. So. Um, in my opinion, just don't mess with it, man. Don't play with fire. Just, and especially because it's not, this is, again, he's not even destroying the AHL the way that Rantanen did. You know, he's not that same caliber of player, of course. He's not He's not the guy that is going to go and, and be this dynamic offensive player. You know, he's, he's a good, solid two-way forward for the Avalanche who should be on their roster next year. Um, yeah, but not I think I have to now. He's not. He does. He's not going to fix their problems. Is and so for even from a hockey perspective, um, you're going to have the same issues that they're already having with uh, Kerfoot, Jost, and Comper, and to a lesser extent, Andrew Ghetto. And for people wondering, mad inconsistency all over the place, and you know, young guys trying to figure it out. For people wondering who could be a, a, a quick scorer from the Eagles roster, to, you know, again, Andrew Agazino is the by far the leading scorer. He's the leading scorer on the Eagles with 28 points in 26 games. No. Uh, but when he comes up to the Avs, nothing happens. So he's a he's a quadruple A player. Just saying, he's five nine, one eighty five. The pride of Kleinberg, Ontario, but he is, uh, you know, that's your, uh, that remains your instant offense option from the Eagles. Unless you want to make the case that A.J. Greer could be that guy who should be that guy. We, I, I don't think we we're going to touch long on this, A.J. No. I don't want to. I don't want to get into the Greer thing because it's too complicated. But, and there's, all right, there's, but, but the fact is, different... is it not a disappointment that AJ Greer was sent back so fast after getting called up, uh, like he did? Uh, yeah, it was a disappointment. Whether that's his fault or the organization's fault, it doesn't matter right now. The fact that it's a disappointment, yes. Um, uh, I think the Abs did him dirty, but. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, as they say, uh, that's hockey. Um, What else were we going to talk about in the segment? I know I have a couple other questions, uh, but I want to get those teed up here, so I might need one minute. What what else is on your mind, AJ, until I do that? Well, okay. Well, since apparently I need to spin my wheels for a minute, uh, I will touch on why I think the Greer and the Abs thing I thought was messed up. Uh, the abs, the abs, the abs put him next to Gabe Bork and Colin Wilson as a center. Colin Wilson's not a center. Uh, the only one, the, the abs feel like the only team who hasn't figured that out at this point. Um, you, you've got your Island of misfit toys and you're expecting AJ Greer to suddenly make something happen with those guys. Like it's not going to happen. 
you know, especially when you're only playing him literally five minutes in, in a game. You know, you're talking about what he gets nine shifts to do something. Like, come on, man. Like, give the guy give the guy an opportunity. Put him put him on a fourth line with some actual skill. You know, maybe maybe a like a Greer Sheldon Dries Colin Wilson combination. You know, where Colin Wilson's actually playing a position where he's shown himself to be an effective NHL player. You know, even that's not great. But at least it's, you know, at least it's something. Maybe Maybe, you know, Greer and, and Andrew Ghetto and Dries, something, you know, something with the actual, you know, with an actual upside there, putting him, putting him on this Island of Misfit Toys line where they just mashed all their leftover players that they didn't want in their top nine together and said, hey, go make something happen. You can't, you, you set him up for failure. And when he doesn't do anything, you can't hold it against him and be like, wow, you failed. Like, yeah, of course you put him in a position to fail. So the guy failed. You know, that's not how you that's not how you get the best out of young players. It's not how you treat young players. They don't do that with other guys. You know, I, I mean they've put guys like Jost on the fourth line, Kerfoot on the fourth line, but predominantly those guys have gotten chances, you know. But what drives what what drives everybody crazy, including myself, is that this this Carl Soderberg trio continues to be immune, no matter how well or how poorly they play. They hum along at the, in the same exact role every single night, regardless of any of the other factors that have impacts on playing time that every other player outside of the top line is accustomed to. You know, it, all of these guys get held to the standard, and this the, the Calvert, Nieto, Soderberg trio is totally immune from it. And it's, and it's frustrating to watch because it's like, look, you have young guys who need to be developed, who need who need ice time. They need to play in order to in order to figure out who these guys are in the NHL. You know, you playing Tyson Jost 12 minutes a night isn't doing Tyson Jost any good. He needs to be playing 15, 16, 17 minutes a night. Same thing with Kerfoot, same thing with Comfort. You know, Colin Wilson, Colin Wilson's going to be gone at the end of the year. You know, are you investing in your long-term future or are you only focused on winning games right now? You know, there, there's this disconnect right now. I understand Jared Bender's job is to win games and that's fine, but you're also doing it with young guys who are supposed to be part of the long-term future and they're not putting those guys in positions to, to thrive in larger roles as they move forward because they continue to lean so heavily on this nonsense with Nieto and Calvert and Soderberg. Those guys are decent players. They're NHL guys. They should be on the roster. They should be playing. No questions in my mind about any of that, but they should not be playing over some of these younger guys who are going to be part of the future. You've got to put those guys in positions to succeed. And they just aren't doing that, in my opinion. And A.J. Greer is just the next, next example of them you know, being so focused on winning games every night that they're forgetting to develop these guys along the way. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And at some point, one of those is going to lose out. And you hope that it does not damage and screw up the long-term development of some of these young guys. You invested the 10th overall pick on Tyson Jost. And Jared Bender's, you know, okay. You know, it kind of goes, it, it kind of... It, I don't I don't feel like they're helping him develop. I don't feel like I don't I don't feel like they're putting him in good in good spots on a consistent basis. Although 
His, but, his minutes. Wait, but wait a minute. All right. But they're putting him on the second but line. They're not playing him on the second line. We, we call it the second line, but he's not playing as but much as playing, Calvert. He's not they, playing they're as much playing, as Nieto. They're playing, they're, they're playing him except for that short stint that he had on the fourth line. They've been playing him with some of the better fours that they have. Yeah, but they're not playing yeah. them as often as they should. That's my complaint. Well, switch the ice time. When they're not producing, though, when they're not producing, what is what does the coach do? The other guy, I mean, uh, the, guys, the guys who are playing, you have to let them work it out. I agree. They should well, let them work it out. But Bednar does have to win games. They do have to win games. They have to make the playoffs, or else it all goes to to shit again on this team. My where my point. You're, if you're non playoff team. You get you get all kinds of other issues that happen, and I I think that uh, I, it's a tough call, but I believe that uh, you know I, I I agree to an extent that Gur hasn't gotten a real fair shake. On the other hand, every scene it seems like every time I watch him play, he runs around and he takes a, a penalty. Don't say that I proved I you wrong on that conversation last, last night. night. We went over this last night, or he does something that creates uh, uh, a, a situation where penalties occur and he's just out there he doesn't know his role that's the bottom line well, is he an agitator is he a fighter is he a... what how can he yeah i know i agree but you know that's what i'm saying and what i'm, uh, what I'm, what I'm saying is that i think colorado would be in a better position to continue to be successful and make the playoffs if they just made that that it's not a major it's not a major tweak but it's Jost, Kerfoot, Comfort, that's your second line. Quit dicking around with it. Those three guys. Yeah, that's those, what I want, too. Right, but play those guys 16, 17 minutes a night, not Soderberg, Nieto, and Calvert. You know, not make those guys your your true yeah. second line. Well, no, I agree. And stop, stop messing with that Soderberg trio so much. Those guys are very get offensive. Ghetto, get, get, get Andrew Ghetto. Far away from the top six as you can. Yeah, Andrew Ghetto and he's Wilson on the fourth he, line, and then go from there. He's a guy. Yeah, Andrew Ghetto is a guy. I don't think he's got enough bad press this year. For, for quite frankly, for the awful play he's had um, last night, he just, all he does is really skate up to the ice with a puck. He's pretty good getting away from guys for a half a second, and then when pressure comes on him, he flubs a pass, or he can't make that next play that makes a real scoring chance happen. He just kind of. Gets a puck at this neutral zone, skates it down the boards, and then what? And then he doesn't really know what to do with the puck. Right. I told somebody last Nate. night, playing hard is not the same as playing well. Like I think he's, I think there's yeah, there's no. good effort there, but him flying up the wing with the puck and then accomplishing nothing with it is not him playing well. Exactly. Well, all right. Let's. Uh, I got a couple more questions from our readers. You want to attack a couple now? We, yeah. Jesse and I did a podcast last week where we talked about the one through sixteen playoff uh, f- format. AJ Hayfley, are you in favor of one through sixteen playoff format? That sure. no matter who one is and no matter who sixteen is, sure they play each other in the first round. I'd be I'd be all for that. Travel is going to be really your only problem, but I oh, think I think fuck. it would be fun. Travel is the worst excuse in the world for me. Don't bring up travel. You're sitting on a first-class airplane for, okay, five hours tops. The longest flight I think you can have in the country right now is from New York to Anaheim. Um, five and a half hours tops. Uh, deal with it. You've got a I nice first-class seat. 
You're, get served food. You're fine. You don't want to come. Uh, to I don't want to hear travel excuses. And if you got to go from five to six to seven and flying back and forth, okay, deal with it. You know, you want to start comparing hardships. Look up the guys who've had to storm the beaches of Normandy. All right, okay. on D Day. Well, let's let's come not back do that. Let's. This is this is this is where we get we lose complete sight of the fact that yes, these are just games. Blah 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 blah. That's nobody, okay. nobody, nobody Christ. is comparing these guys to the guys who stormed the friggin' beaches of Normandy. All right, like let's. Well, that's why I don't want to hear anything just, about travel. We're just. I'm just saying. That's the only real downside of one through sixteen is that travel could be a mess. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm, I, I'm fine. I, I, I also said I was in favor of it. I think it would be fun. I think the NHL needs to do something because right now the the you're being punished for being a good team but not a great team because the two and three seeds are playing each other in the first round of the postseason. And uh, depending on the division that you're in, that's either a terrible thing or awesome for you. Because right now, I mean, you're looking at, you know, Buffalo and Toronto in a first round playoff series. You right. know, you're looking at you're looking at Nashville and Colorado today. If the postseason started, right. Nashville and Colorado would be playing, but Anaheim and San Jose would be playing, despite the fact that the standings show that, you know. That, that there's, there's was, a disparity in quality of teams there. Jesse and I talked about this, but the, you're taking away the, your potential best matchups and putting them in earlier rounds, and then you're left with third and fourth rounds where people aren't as excited about the matchups anymore. I mean, yeah, can you imagine up. a New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Stanley Cup final? How exciting that would be. It'd be amazing. Uh, or, you know, uh, on down the line, I mean, Calgary, Edmonton, Stanley Cup final. You don't have that chance with this this screwed up. You know, you never had the chance with the interconference. But I say do a, do away with the conferences one through sixteen, reseed, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't I'm it? Down. I think it'd be it would so be so cool to have Colorado versus Ottawa in the first round of the playoffs. That that would be so interesting to everybody. I think it would be great. And uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't think it. The rivalry thing. All right, you're playing Nashville. You're playing Minnesota in the first. It round. didn't work. That's fine. That's fine. But the reality is that rivalry. There really aren't any real huge rivalries anymore in the NHL because well, every the parity is so huge. Like right. they they tried to manufacture them, and we ended up with Chicago and Minnesota in the postseason for three straight years. Chicago just right. destroyed exactly. them. Dispatched of exactly. them. Nobody watched it. Nobody gave a shit. It was right. it was totally irrelevant. And not only that, but you have two division winners playing each other in the conference finals. That there's no rivalry there either. There's not a single team in that Pacific Division that the Abs have a real rivalry with, right? So it doesn't matter who they play from that division. It's not going to matter any quote unquote rivalry manner. It's just going to be a Western final that people will watch from their teams. But can't, wouldn't it be so much more exciting to see, you know, Colorado versus, uh, you know, Anybody. the Philadelphia Flyers in the Final Four, you know, um, yeah. you know, and then the winner okay. goes okay, to the okay, Cup. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. You, you guys did this last week. We don't need to go through all this again. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, a, I'm in all agreement. Right. One through 16 would be fun. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah, I got a lot of playoff questions. Uh, One reader does say Pool Rash. Uh, We have great names in our readers. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he basically brings up he basically brings up travel problems. Uh, New York Rangers playing the LA Kings seven times in ten days. Yeah, yeah, good luck with getting quality hockey on that. Yeah, true. Fair enough. But all right, so give him another day of rest. You spread out the you spread them out a little bit. You don't play every other day. You give him another day of rest. Problem solved. Still do it. One through sixteen. Um. I've gotten a lot of questions lately, and I'll I'll aggregate this as part of a uh, question in general from the from the uh, from the podcast crew. But uh, uh, Jared Bednar uh, should he be signed to a long term extension right now? No, you know, again, he's coming up against his contract a, a little bit. No, uh, AJ, no. Jared Bednar, do you give him a five year deal and just say You're, this is your Hell team? No. Okay. No, absolutely, absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. Okay. No. Um, no. Uh, one year at a time. One year at a time. Just one year? Yeah. I mean, he's got an extension through the end of next season, so uh, see how he does this year. And then if he makes the yeah. playoffs again, then maybe you give him a two-year extension. You know, All maybe right. give him a little bit of breathing room, but I'm not giving any coach a five-year deal. Uh, Joel Quenville, not an option here, correct? No. Correct. Okay. Why don't you think? Um, I because I think I honestly I think they have a good thing going with the coach that they have. the uh, The players have a lot of respect for Bedner. They listen to what he says. Uh, he's he's gotten to tap into them. He's gotten he's connected well with them, and that's hard to do. That's the hardest thing to do is find a coach that jives with your group that is on the same page that buys in. Uh, this group is bought into Bedner. For better or worse, however you feel about Bednar, and there's some people out there who spend all game whining about him. Um, you know, the, this group buys into what he does, and I think that for the most part is a good thing. You know, he's not he's not a perfect coach. I don't think he's an elite coach. Uh, I think he's a solid NHL coach uh, that needs the right fit. And right now, uh, it's hard to say that the Avs aren't that right fit. They respond to him. His voice resonates with those guys. They uh, they have a lot of respect for him, and that's you know look at look at the the teams around the league that you know look at the Flyers. That's a really talented team, and Dave Haxtall did not have anything remotely close to buy in from his players. Look at what happens when you're in that situation. Talented teams go down the drain all the time because they don't listen to what the coach is saying. Right now, uh, Bedner has the Avs players' ear, and that Matt, that's a huge 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 thing. Uh, it's very it's it's about the most important thing you can have as a coach, um, and that's that's the case in Colorado right now. So you stick with that. When the message starts to get stale, then you start to say, "Hey, maybe let's have a different conversation." We're not at that point yet, so not worried about it. Uh, question from uh, I think it's Mika Mika. I can't pronounce it. Assuming Randon does sign only a short-term deal, what is his minimum salary? I mean, it's eight, right? I would say at this point, nine. nine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess so. 
And then he's the highest paid player on the Avs by a factor of like a third. <laughs> oh, I can't wait yeah. for the potential and, you know, how Nathan McKinnon really feels about that. Uh, okay, last. No. We're going we're gonna to see how much he cares about winning and how much he cares about making lots and lots yeah. and lots of money, which he's already going to be doing. So um, we'll see. One of the last questions. Sam Gerrard, everybody loves him, quote, but 34 games, two, ga- two goals, 10 assists, 12 points, uh, zero plus minus. Have we overrated Sam Gerrard just a little bit? No. Okay. No. I agree. Uh, he's taking top matchups every night as a 20-year-old defenseman. Um, he's producing at a rate uh, that is is respectable. It's not elite. Um, but you're talking about a guy uh, who is on pace for right about a 30-point season playing top matchups and second power play time. Um, as if, if you get a 30-point season out of that guy uh, while he's playing on PP2, um, I mean – you're very comfortable moving Tyson Berry at that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he should find a way to try to shoot pucks more a little bit. Um, that, well, he's 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 getting about half of his shot attempts blocked right yeah, now. So that's I know. like the next step in his evolution. Yeah. Find a way to get pucks through and uh you know, he'll he'll be able to that'll be a big part of him creating more offense, taking the next step. Um it'll it it's it's huge. So um, right now, overrated, not at all. He's he's on exactly the, the track he should be. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I got from our uh, our uh, readers and listeners. Um, Dope. Yeah. I think that'll probably do it for the BSN Analytics podcast today. I think it will. So let's go ahead and uh, let's get out of here. Uh, and I guess our next episode, we'll be back at the rink tomorrow. So yep. that's every other day stuff. Kind of fun. Yeah, Montreal Canadiens coming in tomorrow. Avalanche need to get to the point. See, I do this on every time Montreal comes in. I, I do know a little French, no. folks. <laughs> Je suis excitement pour la gamme. All right, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save our listeners from this continuing on on record. So we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Um, thank you guys for listening. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. We'll see you tomorrow.